the power of our faith. I want you to open your Bible tonight to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. It's been on my mind for a couple of days what I want to say tonight, but I know I won't finish it tonight. And it's one that has been dear to my heart, important to me, and I think it should be important to all Christians because it's the solution. It's the solution to all of our ills and problems, circumstances, whatever we face in this life. There is a word that will hold all the solutions and all the answers. And that is a word of faith. I want to title this thing tonight, The Power of Our Faith. Like I said, I wake up in the morning. I'm waking up in the middle of the night and in the morning thinking about this. I believe that's of God. And it's not that we have never heard any of this. We've heard it for years since I've been here going on 34 this year. So I know that it's not new. But there's not enough evidence of it to me to satisfy the fact that this message is finding root in people's hearts. To me, it's that important. And if it's not finding a place in hearts of people, then we need to keep teaching on it until at least you can say, I have heard it. And it's got to be like that. Jesus said this about the power of faith in another place. We'll come to Matthew 9 in just a moment. He said in Mark 9, he said in verse 23, he said, if thou canst believe. See, he puts an if there. If you can believe, he said, there's nothing that is impossible to you. Now, we know that faith comes from God. I know the inspiration of it comes from God because it's the one way we please him. And he wants us to please him with all the equipment that he gives us. God didn't leave it up to us to find some way to please God and do something for him. He told us what to do and gave us the equipment to do it. And while the message of faith, like the message of salvation, has appeared to all men everywhere... And some have set it aside. Not all men, Romans 12 says, have faith. But those that have it, those that have latched on to it, those that at least study and meditate on it and think about it, God has given us something that, again, is the answer and the solution. In Mark 9 that I mentioned, there was a father with a child that was afflicted and handicapped. He said, if you can do anything, help him. And Jesus said, if I can do anything, he said, all things are possible to those who believe. Can you imagine God saying that to me and you? If he says, Thomas, all things whatsoever in this life you believe, and there's going to be a thousand times you're going to be given something to believe. But every time you release your faith to God for it, you'll get it. That seems too good to be true in this negative age that we're in, but it is true. That if God said it, God will do it. Now look at our text here in Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 27. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Now why do you suppose they said that to him? They didn't say that to other people. I believe because they either had heard of him or had heard him. Being blind, they couldn't follow the crowds wherever they go. People didn't have a lot of passion for the blind. But these men knew of, they knew of him. And it was in their hearts, maybe they discussed it back and forth. Maybe they heard other people talking. 
but they knew in their heart that this man, from all the things we've heard he heals, from the mental problems to the physical problems to any kind of problems that people have, he can heal anything. There's nothing he hasn't done. He can do it all. He raised the dead. Could he heal our blind? Well, of course he could heal our blind eyes. But see, our faith is not in that he could. Our faith is going to have to be when he's in our presence. I've got to hear his voice. I've got to know he's there. But if I can get to that, I believe I can latch on to my healing. So they said in verse 27, two blind men followed him, crying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, which means he ignored them for a while. Where was the house when they said, Son of David, have mercy on us? It doesn't say. What if it was three blocks away, we would call it? What if it was a half a mile down the road or in the city? I don't know where. I don't know. But the Bible says they cried out to him, have mercy on us. And then it says, and then he went into a house. And when you have faith... You don't take no for an answer. If this is in your heart, press in for it. I mean, press. Because it goes on to say, when he went into the house, the two blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Because if you ask anybody in the church today, anybody that is a Christian by name, do you believe that Jesus is able to heal blind eyes? most of them would say yes. And they would mean, and by saying yes, that to them is proof that they believe God. But what it turns out to be, they believe that it's possible. They believe that he is able. In the historical accounts of Jesus, he did that. So therefore, we believe he can. Well, then will you trust him to do that for you? Well, I don't know if he's doing that today or not, but I know he could. So he goes on to say, Jesus said, believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said, yea, Lord. Then the Bible says, he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. I believe that's a principle of the Christian life that is unchanging. I believe everybody in this room has faith in something. You may have faith in negative things. Your faith may be that you're going to get sick that you're going to never have a good job, that you're not going to ever make any money. A lot of people believe that. They were probably trained that way. That's what came into their heart, and that's the way it is. See, I'll say later on that, you know, with the heart, man believes, but none of us know what is in our hearts until we speak. It's when we start talking that our faith is revealed or our doubt. That is what we're counting on and what we're certain of is going to happen. I mean, everybody faces this all the time, every day. We talk about what we believe when we talk about what we believe. We don't do that a lot, but we talk a lot about what we don't believe. I don't know about that. And it's when we say things like that, we try to justify why we don't believe or why we're not able to believe. Because nobody wants to admit, well, I'm not believing because I'm afraid it won't work. I'm afraid I'll jump into this thing and then lose everything I've got or I'll surely die or, or something, but I don't know. But he said in verse 29, according to your faith, be it unto you in this hour. Now, this is an hour right now, tonight. This is a time which we all need to trust God 
to fix anything that we feel is broke. Now, there's all kinds of human ideas about how to fix things and what a man ought to do if he's clever, wise, and all that. But I believe that every possible thing that could ever be in our lives as a difficulty, that God has a solution for it. But the solution doesn't guarantee it's going to happen. Reading your Bible doesn't mean it's going to happen. Confessing the word doesn't mean you really believe it. You learn to do that. The only thing that makes it happen is faith. It's when you really believe God. It's, it's when from your heart you are convinced, you are persuaded, and you're certain that what he said, he will do it. It's not even an if, and, or but. I'm going to cast my concern about this, the, this troubling, worrisome feeling I get from this. I'm going to cast all of that over on the Lord. There's only one way to do that, and that's by faith. You can't see God. How do you cast worry over on the Lord or anxiety? There's no tangible way you can describe that. It's a faith thing. It's when you make a decision, a quality decision. I will take the problem I have, I will present it before the Lord, and I will tell the Lord that I'm going to trust you to take care of this. Now, if you'll dig a little deeper, you'll find some words where God has promised. That's the basis for your faith, and you'll find something that God has said, and you'll be able to stand on that word. You'll be able to hold fast to it. He said the word is in your mouth and in your heart, the word of faith which we preach. And you'll be able to count on God to do that. And when you do that, you say, okay, Lord, I'm taking my hands off of it. And I'm going to count on you to fix this. My wife has been real bad to me here of late, and I know you can fix it. And I'm going to ask you to deal with her. And she's praying the same thing in the other room about me. But the point of it is, God can fix things better than any of us. God can make things right much better than we can. He never quite does it the way we would do it or when we would do it or how we would do it, but he can make things right. Now, you've got to believe that. You can't just say, well, I know God could. That doesn't mean it'll work. It doesn't mean that what's written on this Bible is going to work for you just because you agree with it. If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. If all you do is hear, all you've got is knowledge. It becomes faith when you count on it and trust it and rely on it and you hold fast to it. That's what it works. That's what God wants us to do because this is what faith is. Faith is reliance on, dependence on, and trust in God. Let me show you another place, Mark chapter 5. Would you go to Mark 5? Two events here in Mark chapter 5, verse 20. And he departed in Decapolis, and behold, there cometh one of the rulers, verse 22, of a synagogue, Jairus by name. Now, a ruler means he was one who oversaw the workings of the synagogue. That somebody was there to do this and somebody was there to do that, answerable to make sure that everything was overseen, kind of like an overseer. So Jairus was a man, a Jewish man, who had a job in the temple. And it's said that when he came to Jesus, he fell at his feet. And he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at home at the point of death. 
and I pray that you will come out and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Now here was a, another man who in order to release his faith, he needed to be in the presence of Jesus. There needed to be something physical here. When he was said he besought greatly, it means his emotion was involved. And he said, come and heal. My little daughter is dying. It didn't matter what was wrong with it. It didn't matter what the symptoms were. It didn't matter how long it had been going on. It was just obvious that she was dying. And he came to Jesus and greatly besought him because he was a father. He loved his children. And if he fell down before him and embarrassed himself in front of all these other people, I don't care. I want my little girl to be healed. Verse 24, and Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. Now, while they were on their way to Jairus' daughter, which picks up again in verse 35, from verse 25 through verse 34, we had an interruption in this journey. We don't know how far away Jairus' house was, but while he was going down the road, Jesus said, I'll come and heal her. He didn't say, do you believe I can heal her? He could have asked that because he did other people. He didn't say, if you have faith, I will heal her. Jesus didn't look at him as Paul did once in the church, perceive there a man who had faith to be healed and then said to him, he didn't do that. I think Jesus had a lot of passion. I really do. I believe he cared a lot about people's lives and, and pain and injuries and hurts. And he said, I'll come and heal her. And so as he started towards the house, there came a great crowd around him and a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years. I don't need to try and describe that, but she was bleeding and this issue had not ceased in 12 years. So it couldn't have been a whole lot of just all the time blood she would have bled to death. But there was enough there that they couldn't fix it. She had spent all that she had on the medical world which is the only hope of the world today, even Christians. I mean, churches have built hospitals because they have left their faith off. You know, the Baptist this or the Lutheran this or the Jewish that. When people lost their faith in God, they had to find healing some way. And I'll tell you what, I have found that commentators, as great as they were and as much knowledge as some of these men have when it comes to faith and healing, they step on themselves trying to explain what this means. But what it means is what it said. And this woman has suffered many things of many physicians and has spent all that she had and was not better, but rather she grew worse. Now, when she heard that Jesus was in the press, she came up behind him in this throng of people and she touched him because this is where her faith was. She said, if I can touch his garment, he doesn't have to talk to me. He doesn't have to lay hands on me. All I have to do is touch him. You see, there's various ways the Bible describes the faith that people have. Not everybody that got healed and got fixed had the same expression of their faith. This woman said, if I can just touch him. So she pushed her way through the crowd and shoved her way around and got up there, and she just touched his garment. And immediately, the Bible says, the issue of blood ceased. She could feel it. She knew that she was healed. And Jesus stopped and he said, who touched me? And of course, they're standing around and say, who touched? Lord, I mean, there's hundreds of people here. I mean, we are, everybody's touched. He said, no, faith touched me. I'd like to preach on this again, but somebody here had faith. 
Somebody here just wanted to get close enough to me to touch me because they knew if they could touch me, they would be well. And he began to talk like that. And apparently then uh, verse 32 said, and he looked around about to see who had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him. And she told him all the truth. And he said unto her, women are not supposed to touch me. This is not the way it works, woman. You don't just come to a crowd and touch me and think you, somehow you're going to get healed because you touched the Lord. Man's wisdom explains that, that why that won't work today because it, it couldn't possibly work like that. But this is before she had read what they said, so she just went up and she touched him. And verse 34, here's the power of faith. Her faith in a simple thing that she did. He said that thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, be whole of thy plague. Because what she had that wasn't responding to any treatment, it was a plague. It was a curse. They don't make medicine that can fix curses. They make medicines that can cover up and shield its effect. An aspirin can stop some pain in your body, but it doesn't take away the problem where the pain is. But he said, you're whole. That's all he said to her. He didn't lay hands on her. He didn't preach to her. He just said, woman, go home. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. You're healed of your plague. Do you suppose she was happy? Let me ask you something. Will that work for us? Or was it only for the New Testament era? Was this only for that time between the old and the day of Pentecost? Was this message of faith only for those days? Who talks about it today like it'll work for us? Who says that? Where do you find people sitting around joyfully discussing the fact that God will take care of this, God will fix this, I know he will? Where's the testimonies? See, this should be something that is part of our life. This message of faith. Trusting in God, having reliance on God should be a part of our life. And while that woman was being healed, one of these men came up in verse 35. While he spake, came to the ruler of the synagogue from his house, and they said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble your master anymore? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, well, we tried. It doesn't always work. Is that what he said? The same thing he would say to anybody in this room. With all of our logical reasons and excuses for the way we live and things we don't do, he still says the same thing. Be not afraid, only what? Only believe. You ever heard that song? Only believe. All things are possible, only believe. How many of you have never heard that? That's half of you. Well, there's a lot of songs, I guess, that are in, in me that aren't in you, but that's okay because there's a lot of songs that are in you that aren't in me, and that's all right, but that's good, I guess. But here's the deal with this. He told a man whose daughter was dead, don't give up, don't despair. Now, this is a special thing because it goes into death and dying and it's a dimension that's not just normal and occasional in this life. I think there's gifts at work here. 
And I think that Jesus, though, had every intention when he left to go and heal his daughter that it was not even going to be hard. It would be easy to do. All he had to do was walk in the room and say what he had to say or touch whatever he was going to do to the little girl, and she would be healed. But he told the people around him, she's only asleep. And they began to ridicule and laugh. And you can't have that atmosphere when you're trying to use your faith. Sometimes you've got to separate from people that oppose what you believe, who want to always question why you believe that God will do this or God will do that. What makes you so sure that God will do this or God will do that? Well, there's only one word that can really and truly answer that, and it's faith. I have faith in God. Again, everybody says, well, I have faith in God too, but it doesn't work for me. And then you lose your friend. You say, well, that's impossible. Because Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. And if thou canst believe, all things are possible. In the little bit of time I have left tonight, the few remaining hours I have left, if all of us were tonight in a big school and the upstairs is where the high school and the laboratories and all the fancy math courses are, I'd come up and say, now, all right, all right, school, we're going down the hallway up to the other end of the school. I say, why are we going up there for? That's where kindergarten is. Yes, I say, you know, that's where we all started, isn't it? Or, or the first grade, let's say we're going to the first grade. I went to kindergarten, maybe you didn't, but we're going down to the first grade where they had the little chairs and the little tables and, and ABC over the walls and little colors and stuff. What are we going there for? Because there's something we didn't get there. What? There's something down there in the first grade. Y'all come with me, and I want to just show you things you already know. Your heart will, yeah, 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 I remember that as we talk about this. I want to go back and pick up something that is essential to being steadfast before the Lord, something that is essential to overcoming, to getting the victory in your life over stuff. The victory that overcomes the world is what? Even your faith, not mine. He didn't even say some great developed faith. He said the faith you have. It only takes a mustard seed of faith. It only takes a crumb to fall from the table to do a miracle. I mean, that's the way it is with the Lord. And we make this so difficult. But let me show you how simple it is. First of all, faith in its simplicity means that you are persuaded, you are convinced, you are sure, or you are certain that what God said, God will do. Now, it is true, not everybody is there about lots of things. But that's the way it works. And again, as I think I mentioned when I started out, a lot of people are sure of negative things. They're very sure of things that God does not give you to believe. They're very sure that they will get sick. If there's something going around, they will say, because when you open your mouth, your heart speaks. That's where you believe. And they will say, well, I'll, we'll probably get it. You know, we get it every year. Or this problem that's coming, all this snow is surely, oh, we're, oh this is it. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, my goodness. The heat goes out, we're all going to die. Because, again, when you open your mouth and you start talking, that is what you believe. Dog was just kidding. You might have just been kidding. But that is what you believe. You've trained yourself. Somebody taught you. You've been around people that that's the way you think. And as a man thinketh, so is he. And the reason a lot of difficult lives don't get any relief in this life is because of faith. 
God doesn't leave any of us out of difficult circumstances. The Spirit of God led Jesus in the wilderness to be tempted. He'll do that with us in some degree. And the one thing that gets you out of the wilderness and gets you in favor with the Lord is faith. It is written. It is written. It is written. In fact, the faith that we have that God gives us is the faith that Jesus had, the faith of Christ. If it worked for him and it's already proven that it works and he's given you the same faith, it'll work for you too. But something in you has to get a hold of that and says, this will work. I don't have to make it work. He didn't say I had to make it work. He just said, when I pray, believe. He said, when I pray, believe. When I pray, be convinced. Be convinced that this is going to happen. When I pray, be firmly persuaded that what I'm praying for is a sure thing. I don't have to strive any more about it. I don't have to figure out how I'm going to fix it, how this is going to get solved. I let God take care of the hard part. All I have to do is just take him at his word. It is that simple. It can be as simple as that. You've got to be convinced. You've got to be sure. Again, faith is this simple. When the Bible speaks of the simplicity of faith, I think this is primary this is brought down to the level of the least of us. God brings this one supreme message down to the level of the least of us. Because faith essentially is, if God said it, are you sure he'll do it for you? Because you don't have to be a wise intellectual to get that. All you have to do is just like a little child. You think children believe their parents? I'm going to make some cookies today, and after I make them, I'll give you one. Well, they don't doubt that. They'll tell their friends, I'm getting a cookie after a while. Where are they? I don't know. I haven't seen them yet, but she'll make them, and I'll get them. How do you know she will? Because she said she would. It's not even a question. Didn't Jesus say once, except we become like that? Didn't he? That's how simple this is. Take him at his word. Our problem is there's so many people trying to talk us out of his word. Because when we want to talk about what God is teaching, somebody says, yeah, you know, I, I don't know about all that stuff because somebody I knew once tried that. And, just, and then you hear all these stories. And that negative influence comes in and just overwhelms the little faith that a person had. Today they say this. Well, maybe we ought to just pray. We get enough people together. Come on, we, we got to have prayer. We got to pray. And so we have this theology that's lodged in our hearts. We would never challenge it because it seems so right. That if we pray enough, pray sincerely enough and pray long enough, then God will do it. But the basis for answered prayer is not the length of your prayer or the continuous recital of a prayer. It's faith. Jesus said, when you pray, believe. He didn't just say pray and it'll all come about. He didn't say put your finger on a verse of scripture and say, Lord, you said in your word, this is what I'm going to do. He just said, when you pray, believe. But here's the second thing. Not only that, he said in Mark 11:24, what things ever you desire whenever you pray. He said, you've got to make a choice, and this is what faith is. Not only is it persuasion, but it's a choice that you make to count on God to do what he said. 
You don't have to try to figure out what you want to believe or how you want to believe it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. God tells us what he will do. So you go and you choose to count on God so that you can do what he said. Again, Mark eleven twenty four says, when you pray, what? Believe. Believe what? Believe that God not only meant what he said, when he said, I'm the Lord that heals you, or I will supply all of your needs, or I'll mend broken hearts, or whatever, or broken marriages. He said, when you pray, believe. Believe that God, who inspired you by saying what he said in the Bible, will also do it. And believe it in such a way that when you pray, and you pray that would that be according to God's will. Remember, he said, we know that if we ask anything that is according to his will, he hears us. Remember that? And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions we have desired of him, First John 5. So if you believe that, and again, church people don't get excited about that anymore. That doesn't even have a juice to it, but it's true. Find out what he said. Lay hold of it, and then faith is simply, this is the primary here, just counting on God to do it. Counting on mom to get the cookies or my, my pop machine. Remember, I haven't forgotten my pop machine. When you put your money in your pop machine and you press the button, you wait for it to come out. I may eat Sunday at lunch over at Zaxby's. They got this wonderful machine. Oh, it's wonderful because you got so many choices, everything from water to ice, to every kind of drink that you can think of, especially ginger ale, which I like. I've never seen anybody yet lined up because some of them take forever to do it, but I haven't seen anybody yet put their cup under there and get some ice in it and then go, let's, two or three of you gather around here, let's, let's pray that this will work. Well, you can't make that pop machine work. It's designed to work, but it only works if you do the right buttons. You got to go by what the pop machine said, not by your prayer. And so the word of God is the same way. What does he say? This is what he says. All you can do is count on God to do it. You can't make it work. Laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. Nobody's able to do that, but God said he would, so you do it. His signs shall follow those who believe, and he tells you things that will follow those who believe. You can't make them work, but you do it. And the only reason you do it is because you believe. Or you prophesy according to the proportion of your faith. Oh, I believe I should. I feel like I ought to do it. Well, let's hear it. Go. And you'll find that a lot of people hold back because they're just not absolutely that convinced. One of my favorite verses, and I've used it many times here, is Numbers twenty-three nineteen. God is not a man that he would lie to you. God's not misleading us and deceiving us by what he says. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, and what he spoke that he wanted us to know, he had it written down. If he spoke it, he'll do it. Isaiah 55, again, another of my very favorite verses, verse 11, he said, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth that shall not return void or empty. There's power in it. But he said, it will accomplish that which I please and will prosper the thing whereto I send it. Most of the object of God's word to us is to fulfill God's promises for us and in us. 
whether it's healing, maturity, or whatever. He sends us all the things that we can rely on him to do and count on him to fulfill. Every need is met. And God says, I watch over my word. I watch over my word to perform it. Who believes it? Hold fast. Speak it back. Because when you hide this word in your heart and you speak it, God hears it when it comes out of your heart that way. And so this is the way it works. It's to be persuaded and to be convinced of something that God has said. It is a simple choice to take God and his word. And to be honest, it has to come out of your heart. You know that. You may say, well, I'm going to try it because Thomas Harrington tried it. Well, that's good. He might have given us a good testimony. Amen. He said he laid hands on his kitchen stove and God fixed it. Well, I'm going to go home and lay hands on mine. Well, what inspired him to do that may be different than what you're inspired by. You want to do it because he did it. He wanted to do it because God wanted him to do it. And in that way, he would glorify God. I'm not saying it wouldn't work because somebody else didn't. You did the same thing. Remember years ago, a Pentecostal lady got filled with the Holy Spirit sitting in front of her oven. And everybody she brought to her house to pray for, she made them sit in front of the oven because that's the way it worked for her. You don't have to do it that way, but God honors that. That's what he honors. That's exactly the way it's going to be. Matthew 12, turn to that, we'll close. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. Out of the abundance of the heart. Everybody's got one of them. Not only a physical, fleshly heart that pumps blood, but you've got a spiritual heart that is the center of your life. The thing that God sees. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, I've already mentioned this before, but let me say it as we close. If what is coming out of my heart doesn't agree with God, what's in my heart? If what you're telling me doesn't agree with the Lord, if what we're discussing and plans that are being laid are not in harmony with the word of God and what God told us to do, why are we doing it? Because to us, that's the way we think we ought to do it. And it's hard to let go of what you, you know, whoever we are, it's hard to let go and just let God. It's hard to do that. We've laid hands on our children growing up. We had seven of them. You have many chances to trust the Lord when you're growing up. And there was never a time he didn't heal them. I think they all went through some one or two specific major battles we thought they were when they were growing up. And boy, you were just pressed to the wall all night long. But I look back, there was never a time it didn't work. Never a time. That's my testimony. I want it to be that the rest of my life. I would much rather God say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant, faith-filled servant. I would rather God marvel at our faith or hold our faith as admiration than for him to say, how many times did you hear me tell you that I would take care of your problem? How many times did I tell you I'd supply your needs? How many times did I tell you I'd heal your body? Why do you run to the doctors and pills and banks? 
Is my word not enough for you? See, when you put it that way, we get a little bit edgy. Ooh, Brother Hamilton, that might make people feel condemned. It's not designed to make people feel condemned. But what do we do when we try to make people who don't want to trust God feel all right? That's not good either. So it's best for us to wrestle now, isn't it? It is. Stand to your feet. How many of you are believers? I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. The word of God is faithful and it's true. There's no power that can shake me. There's no problem that can break me. I'm a believer and I'm not a doubter. Amen. We used to sing at every meeting. I'm a believer, not a doubter. The word of God is faithful and it's true. There's no power that can shake me. There's no problem that can break me. I'm a believer, not a doubter. And by faith, I'll make it through. And you're free to go. God bless all of you. Amen.